0: We are to be the church as the church. We're to be the church, and we're looking at also how we're to be courageous as the church as well. Going through the book of Acts for these last few weeks, and we'll continue to do that as we look at each chapter. And today we want to think about being to stay focused as the church as well. I was thinking about uh, several years, or quite a few years ago. Uh, I preached a homecoming. I don't know if you know what a homecoming is or revival, but I was preaching revival services, a series of meetings, a Friday, Saturday. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Sunday morning, they asked me if I would preach the revival, but also preach a homecoming uh, service. And it was a small church, a sweet, sweet church. I love, I loved going there and being with those sweet people. Uh, and as homecoming, if you know anything about a homecoming service, those t- tend to go long. And so that service was going long, They had different things that they were doing. And then it was getting up, late, you know, kind of late in the hour for me to uh, be able to preach. And so it was getting on up back quarter till, you know, 10 till 12 or something like that. And so if you know anything about homecoming, you know there's food that's involved, right? And so they, of course, they was, had food. And, and so when it became my time to get up and to bring the word, um, it was also the same time when it, needed, when it was time to start heating up the food uh, for the homecoming. Now, here's what you need to know about this sweet little church. It was a small church. So they had a small sanctuary, and they had a little room off to the side that they used as Sunday school. But that little room was also their fellowship hall. And there was no wall that separated that room from the sanctuary. So when people got up, when I started to preach, people got up to go into that little room to start heating up the chicken. (laughs) And to pull out the beans and the deviled eggs and warm up that bread, you know. And so you can imagine as uh, I was standing up trying to preach, what do you think people were focused on that morning? (laughs) It was not the Word of God, I can assure you. It was the chicken, and if I'm really honest, I was having a hard time focusing myself, even though I was preaching it, because of the, the smell of the chicken that smelled so good. You know, sometimes it's just hard to stay focused. Can I get a witness, right? It's just hard to stay, stay focused, and staying focused as believers even today, staying focused on what we're supposed to be staying focused on, can be hard today. There's so many things that can divert our attention today. Maybe it's in the world at large, in the world news. Maybe it's the, 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 the what's going on with the Ukraine and Russia. Maybe that diverts our attention in ways. Or maybe it's some things that are local, more local for us. whether it's uh, like the high cost of gas, or maybe it's the baby formula shortage, or maybe it's high inflation, or maybe it's our lower retirement accounts now, whatever, but these things maybe are diverting our attention in some fashion or form, or maybe it's more personal where we can be diverted and it's hard to be focused because we're we're going to games, or we're gearing up for graduation, or we're running uh, to recitals, or we're reconciling relationships, or we're balancing finances, or we're figuring out what's for lunch, and you've already been thinking about lunch since I started talking about that chicken a few minutes ago, and so come on and stay back with me, would you? So stay focused for a few minutes. But really, some, if not all of these, are certainly a part of life. But as disciples, even as we are doing life every single moment of every single day, beloved, hear me this morning, we cannot lose focus as to who we are as the church and we cannot lose focus as to who we are as individuals who make up the church out in the world. We are to be the church and we are to stay focused. Y'all with me this morning? We're to stay focused. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. I'd love to read the whole chapter deal with every verse in this chapter, but I'm just not able to because of time. But I'm going to deal with a passage of Scripture, the first 10 verses, which is a very familiar passage to many of you in here. Uh, When you see what's going on in this story, you'll remember it probably. And we're going to look at this passage, and we're going to see how, as we look at this story about a man who was born lame, how he was able to stay, how it teaches us how and what we're to be staying focused on, all right? So we're going to look at Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. And if you're able, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand, Uh, as I read this passage for us this morning. The Bible tells us, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of this word, and we look at this story, and we see what, ta- what is taking place here with this man who was born lame, and we see something transformational that takes place in his life. And we pray, Father, that as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, that we will understand who we were and who we are now. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to understand that the people around us are like we used to be who don't know Jesus and that we have what they need. And I pray, Father, that that message today, that we would remember who we are because of Jesus, would propel us forward to share Jesus with people, people who need to know you. And that our lives would be evident that we belong to you. So, Lord, I pray now that with every heart and every life that's represented here today, may you work in us. May you challenge us. Lord, we want to hear from you, and we want to be your people that are faithful to walk with you, because we know you walk with us. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives, and may the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. May be seated. as you look, if you have the app and you see the outline today, if you picked up on the bulletin notes, or if you looked on the website, you see that there are two points today, and then two subpoints. And don't get too excited about those two points because there are subpoints under those as well. All right. So we do have two points, and we want to look at a couple things, and then we have two to-dos. And I want you to also understand that when we get to the end of one of the to-dos. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about a special assignment. Well, I have a special assignment for you today, and so just keep that in mind as we move forward. So here's the first thing we want to see, is be the church. We are to stay focused on the greatest need. Stay focused, church, on what is the greatest need. Okay, so we're looking at the story of this man who was born lame. So from birth, he's been lame, and he was carried, the Bible tells us, he was carried to the beautiful gate at the temple every day. And it was there that he would ask for alms or he would ask for handouts or donations from those who were going into the temple to pray. It was a great spot for him to be at this beautiful gate because people are going in, making their way into the temple at a time they're thinking religious thoughts to pray, of course. And so it was a good chance that he might get a coin or two as people were going in. Did he need money? Absolutely, he needed money. But here's what we need to understand as we look at this story today his situation is that yes, he needed money, but it was not his greatest need. It was not his greatest need. Now, as we think about this, there are people all around us who have needs. There are people that we work with, there are people that we know from the store, there are people that we see on the side of the street, there are people all around us in our families. Who have needs. There are some people who need shelter or food. There are people who need finances or friends. There are people who need purpose or peace. And the church, listen, the church absolutely is involved and should be involved in advocating and participating in helping to meet those needs. But understand this it is not man's greatest need. And so we want to see here, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see this situation and see that it illustrates humanity's greatest need. And his greatest need, this lame man, the man who's born lame, his need, his greatest need represents ours as well. So we're going to look at verses 4 through 8 again. And it says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, the man who's lame, as did John, also directed his gaze at him. And it said, look at us. And so this man, sitting by the gate, he fixes the attention on Peter and John, expecting them to to receive something from them. He He thinks they're getting ready to give him something. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So we see this man, and we see his situation, and his situation really does illustrate humanity's greatest need. And here are four things that I want to see in this story, what's taking place that really illustrates man's greatest need. The first thing that we see here is that this man uh, was broken from birth. He was broken from birth. The Bible tells us that verse 2, he was lame from birth. So that tells us, Uh, that his feet, that his ankles, they were somehow crippled, they were somehow distorted. And the Bible tells us that from his birth, he's been this way until now. And we see in the next chapter that we find out this man was over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, this man has been this way. And so we find a passage like this, or we look at things in our culture today, in our world today, and we may wonder, why do things like this happen? Why was a man a child born crippled. Why was a, bo- a child born lame like this? And maybe we think about why is any child born with any kind of defect? Why does this happen? And why-, why are there hardships that we have to deal with? Why is there sickness in the world? Why is there suffering? And there's a reason it all stems back to what's known as the Garden of Eden. And you see, the world became broken at the Garden of Eden when sin came into the world. And so that was not part of God's original design. But when he created the earth and all that was in it, there was no sin. But then when sin came, as Adam took of the fruit, as he was tempted, him and Eve were tempted uh, by the serpent, the devil, the curse of sin came upon the earth. And at that point forward, the world, and the world as we know it, was broken. The world's broken, right? So then we think about this, this world being broken. How does that illustrate our greatest need? Well, here it is. Because of our sin and because we're all sinners, this man's situation is like ours in that we are all broken people living in a broken world. We're all broken people living in a broken world. From the day we were born, we were broken people. You see those precious little babies? All those babies are precious but all babies, including us, were born broken because we're sinners, all right? The Bible tells us, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so, this man was broken from birth because of sin, so are we. So, church, here's what we need to do. We need to stay focused on the greatest need, okay? Okay? Here's the second thing we see about this man and his situation that also illustrates the humanity's greatest need. Not only was he broken from birth, but he was also helpless. In verse 2 again, it tells us that this man was being carried and he was laid daily at the gate. So what we know about this lame man is that there was nothing that he could do for himself, that he needed others to to help him, he needed others to to survive. That he was utterly dependent on somebody else to help move him. He was ab- uh, dependent on other people to help provide for him, and he was uh, dependent upon other people to help him to survive. So this man, and by all accounts, really was helpless. So how does that illustrate humanity's greatest need? Well, here it is: because of sin. His situation is uh, like ours in that we're all broken and we're all helpless. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it tells us, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So that tells us that as sinners apart from Christ, that we too can do nothing to help ourselves, that we can do nothing to save ourselves. Let me ask you, what can a dead person do to help themselves, nothing, because they're dead, and so this lame man was broken, and this lame man was helpless, and because of sin, so are we, y'all with me this morning, come on, y'all say amen, all right, so here's the third thing, okay, he couldn't go into the temple, so let's look there, verse 2, it tells us that he was at the gate of the temple, that's what we find here. This lame man is at the gate of the temple. So why did he go into the temple? Why did he go into those temple grounds? Why didn't he go in? Why couldn't he go in? Well, it's a good question. In Leviticus chapter 21 and six, verse 16 and following, we find that God declares that anyone with a blemish, with a defect, with a disease or an injury could not enter into the temple. In Leviticus 21, 23, it says that he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar because he has a blemish, that he may not profane my sanctuaries, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So what we see here is that holy God is so holy, friends, he demanded perfection in the sacrifices, and also he sought the picture of perfection of those who were offering those sacrifices. So this man could not enter the temple as it represented the holy presence of God. And so how does that then illustrate our greatest need? Well, here it is. As sinners, our, we have a blemish. We have a defect. We have a defilement of sin. And because of sin, that means that we do not have access into the presence of God. And as broken people, our sin separates us from holy God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 59, verse 2, but your iniquities, your sin, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You say, well, yeah, pastor, but that deals with bad people, only bad people. God God hears my prayer because I'm a great person. Well, I got news for you. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the lame man, due to his defect, he could not enter into the temple which represented the presence of God. So he was broken, and he was helpless, and he was separated from the presence of God. And beloved, listen, because of sin, so are we. And so church, listen, we need to stay focused on what the greatest need of humanity is. But there's a fourth thing that we see here in this man as well, as we see humanity's greatest need, and that's this. He did not know what he really needed. He didn't know what he really needed. When you look at verses 2 and 3, we see that he was asking alms of those who were entering the temple. And so this man who's laid at the gate every day, he, he thought that his greatest need was money. And he did need money, but it wasn't his ultimate need. You see, friends, he was not only broke, he was also broken, right? And so he needed to be healed. So how does that illustrate our greatest need? Well, it's the same with humanity today. You see, we think our issue, humanity thinks its issue is one thing, but it's deeper. Humanity does not know their root problem, and so they don't know what they really need. And here's what I want you to understand is that broken people try to fix their problems with broken solutions, right? Broken people always try to fix their problems with broken solutions. You see, if their marriage is going stale and they're broken people, they're going to try to fix that with a broken solution. Like, well, I'm going to either go to pornography or I'm going to just get another mate or I'm going to commit adultery or I'm going to argue all the time and try to nag my wife. or my husband, to change, to be more like me. You see, when the marriage is stale, they just do something different. The broken people try to fix their problems with broken solutions. The kids are driving me crazy. And so if I'm broken, I'm going to fix my problem with broken solutions. I'm going to try to fix that. The kids are driving me crazy, so I'm going to spend more time at at the office. I'm just trying to get away from that. Or if they need satisfaction and joy, broken people fix their problems with broken solutions. They need satisfaction, they need joy, and so they're going to go into debt, and they're going to just keep buying stuff and keep buying stuff and keep buying stuff. Or they're going to look for happiness wherever they can try to find it. You see, friends, broken people try to fix their problems with broken solutions. And so this man that we see in our scripture today, he really was broken, but he only knew that he was broke by way of he had no money. But what he really needed was he needed to be healed, okay? He was broken. He was helpless. He was separated from the presence of God, desperately needing to be healed because of sin, beloved, so are we. All of humanity is broken. All of humanity is helpless. All of humanity is separated from God's presence and needs to be healed from their sin. And this is our greatest need. This is the greatest need of all of humanity, and as the church, we must stay focused on what that need really is. So, Pastor, well, how does that really connect with me? What's the connection to me here? You see, friends, here's the thing, is that as we live in this broken world, it is so easy to get distracted by the broken people that are around us. Can you imagine that if Peter and John had seen this guy at the gate, and they looked at each other and said, this guy is really getting on my nerves. He is here every time we come. You know, there's got to be people who saw him every day at the same time because the Bible says he was laid daily at the gate. He was always there. So you know there were people who would see him and walk to the other side and had to deal with him. So irritating. I don't deal with somebody like that. Or maybe they said, We need to do something about this guy. Can we just move him somewhere else? If we're not careful, folks, we become just like that. As the church, we need to understand what the greatest need is, right? We must stay focused on the to remember that the world and the people who are in the world is broken. Right? So, while broken people try to fix their problems with broken solutions, we know what their greatest need really is, and that's that the broken world needs healing, but we also know where they can find the healing, and that's where we come to the next point, that the church needs to be focused on the greatest name, that His name is what? Jesus. So, you know it, right? Right? Stay focused on the greatest need, but also stay focused on the greatest name, the name of Jesus. You see, friends, it was Jesus who changed everything about this man. We see three things here that he did to change this man. Number one, Jesus made the man well, and he was no longer broken. Look at verses 6 through 8. Peter said to the man, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Leaping up, it says in verse 8. Luke is a doctor, as you know, and Dr. Luke uses words that are medical terms here for leaping up here. And the words for leaping up means to suddenly come into socket, that which was out of place. He leaps up it suddenly is moved back into place. The Lord heals him. So what happens is Jesus has reversed the brokenness of the man and he has healed him. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. My Bible says that Peter looked at him. And he spoke to him. And Peter's the one who took him by the hand. Well, you know, you got a good point. But notice what else it says there. It says that he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You see, it was the power of Jesus Christ through Peter. You see, the name of Jesus represents all the power and all the authority of the person of Jesus Christ. So, it is Jesus who is the one who reversed that brokenness and brought the healing, and and it is still Jesus who still brings about the healing today. You see, friends, I'm here to tell you today that there is no greater name than the name of Jesus, and Jesus changes everything. Amen? He changes everything. And so here, Jesus made the the man well. He was no longer broken. There's a second thing that we see here, and we need to stay focused on the greatest name, is that Jesus gives this man a new life. He gives this man a new life. Now, this man, we look at him, it's the same man, but it's not, right? Isn't that our story? Since Jesus got a hold of us, I'm the same person, but I'm not. Amen? So Jesus gave this man a new life. He can now walk. He was laid at the gate every day. He was helpless. He was broken. Now now we see he can walk. He can leap. He can run. You see, what's happened is that old life, it's gone. But the new life, it has now come. And he now has hope. And it is evidence in how he is living his life. You know, we see him here leaping and walking and praising. You know, I wonder if he ever stopped leaping about. People thought, there's that crazy leaper over there. You ask, why in the world are you leaping? (laughs) Let me tell you why. He takes him over to that gate. You see that gate right there? That's where I used to be. But I heard about a man named Jesus, and he changed my life. Amen? And now I'm going to leap until he comes, right? Beloved, how about us? Hadn't he made a difference in our lives as well? Did we go back to our old ways? Are we still worshiping and walking and leaping and praising the Lord all the time? Amen? Amen. Because we're new. And so he has new life through Jesus. It's evident to all who know him. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Jesus has changed him. It's given him a new life, and it is evident. Beloved, I'm here to tell you that there is no greater name than the name of Jesus, and Jesus changes everything, and he still gives new life. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so the lame man was no longer the same, and when Jesus heals us of our sin, beloved, we are no longer the same either. Jesus has given us new life. The question is, is it evident to people who are around us? How you walk, how you run your race, how you worship the Lord, these change because what Jesus has done in your life. There's no greater name than the name of Jesus. Jesus changes everything. The lame man's healed of brokenness, and he is made new through Jesus, and so are we. So, beloved, we need to stay focused on the greatest name, right? The name of Jesus. And there's a third thing I want you to see here in this passage. That's also, as we look at this situation, that's a good indicator of what happens through Jesus. I want you to notice this, that Jesus now has made the way into the presence of God. And you remember a few minutes ago, we talked about how this guy was laid daily at the gate because he could not go into the temple. But when you look down at verse 8, we see something has happened. He's leaping up. He stood. He began to walk. And look at that. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, what happened? Well, here's what happened His defect is gone, his blemish is erased. His defilement is vanished. And so now, because of Jesus, he has access into the presence of God because of what Jesus Christ has done in his life. Listen, there's no greater name because Jesus changes everything and he is still the only way into the presence of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, 19, it says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, we have boldness to enter the holy places... The holy place, the place of the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. That's how we enter into the presence of God. In Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins and the the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. As he canceled that debt with all of its legal demands, this he set aside and nailed it to the cross. Because of what Jesus has done, now we have access into the very presence of holy God. Because we have been made holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus has reversed the curse And he has healed our brokenness. He has given us new life. And now we have access into the presence of God now and forever. Forever. So there's no greater name because Jesus changes everything. And so this lame man is healed of brokenness. He's made new, given access to holy God through Jesus. And through Jesus, so are we. So, church, we need to stay focused on the greatest name because there is healing of our sin in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus of Jesus. There's reconciliation with our Creator in the name of Jesus. There's entrance into His presence in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus. There is joy in the name of Jesus. There is transformation in the name of Jesus. And there is heaven because of Jesus and through His name. Amen? So as the church, we must stay focused on the greatest need that the world is broken and they need healing, but also on the greatest name that healing comes through Jesus. Now, I understand in this culture, it is hard for the church to stay focused. It is hard for us to stay focused because you know why? Because we have to deal with people. Come home. And you know what? People are people. But not only people are people, but people are broken people. Right? And some of them broken people, man, they can be so nasty sometimes. They can be so difficult sometimes. They can be so hard to want to be around. You see things on social media and you just want to throw something. You hear something happening in culture, and you just want to stomp your feet, right? Yes. I'm telling you, it is hard for the church to stay focused, and we will ramp up the new cause that we want to go after. So how do we stay focused on what their greatest need really is, and the greatest name that's Jesus? I think we still see two things here that can help us with that as the church. When we look at Peter and John, we see first off, here's the first, first thing, how we can stay focused, and that's this, to depend on the Lord. I mean, that's elementary, but it's so foundational. Depend on the Lord. And so when you look at verse 1, just go back up to verse 1, and what do we see them doing? Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? Okay. And so, what we find is that the early church and these new believers, if you go back into the end of chapter 2, you find them consistently going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So, what we are finding is that every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, they are praying. Why? Because they know they need to depend on the Lord, right? And we find later it's not just this hour, but they're praying all the time as well. We're going to see some of that next week as well. But they're praying. They're depending on the Lord. Why? Because they know where their source of strength is. And, beloved, if you think you can make it out in this world and do your own thing, you got another thing coming. Because you don't have enough strength in you. It takes supernatural strength. And that comes only from the Lord. Amen. So we need to depend upon him. So we need to spend time in prayer. But the second thing that I think we see here that helps the church to stay focused is we're to depend on the Lord. But then secondly, we notice this about Peter and John. They didn't lose sight of the one. They didn't lose sight of the one. Now, just back in that last chapter, remember, man, they had quite the meeting. Preached the gospel, the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000. Now, today, if a preacher was to have that happen, man, he'd be walking on cotton. All I mean, just highfalutin for a long time and not looking at anybody. But here we see Peter and John, and they come by the gate, and they see the one man, right? The one man at the gate. What does that say to us as a church today? Beloved, to stay focused on the greatest need and the greatest name, we must be people of prayer who are depending completely on the Lord Jesus Christ, but also we must not lose sight of the individuals who need to know Jesus Christ, right? You see, we tend to look look at the news. We tend to look at the culture. We tend to look at the media and the shows and the movies, and we say, man, these people are crazy. Well, yeah, they are because they're acting like the world. And they need Jesus. And while that's true, as this big picture, they all need Jesus. It's not just that the world needs Jesus, but that each individual who's in the world needs Jesus. Y'all with me? Every individual. So one by one. The church and us who make up the church, all of us who believe in Jesus, who make up the church, we must point people to Jesus, each individual to Jesus. So we're to stay focused on the greatest need and the greatest name as we point one person at a time to Jesus Christ. You remember that parable of the lost sheep in the gospels where Jesus reminds us of of leaving the 99 and then going after that one sheep that's astray? I mean, it's important to the Lord. And so let me ask you this question today. Who is that one sheep that you know that needs to know Jesus? That one sheep's important. Who is that one sheep that you know that needs to know Jesus? Think of somebody. Let a name come to your head. Ask the Lord to give you a name. Think of those individuals. Maybe it's a coworker who needs Jesus, or your neighbor who needs Jesus, or your friend who needs Jesus, or your family member who needs Jesus, or that student who needs Jesus, or that person behind the counter who needs Jesus, or that contractor who needs Jesus, or the guy you see at the coffee shop each week who needs Jesus. I mean, who's your one? Who's your one sheep? Now, just think about that for just a minute, would you? Think about that name, and I want you to hold on to it. Who is that person that you know that they need to know Jesus. All right, hold on to it. Now let's do the to-dos. Here's the first to-do. Hearing what we've heard today, knowing the greatest need and the greatest name, here's what we need to do as individuals, as a church, and that's this. Focus on Jesus. As we mentioned already, in this culture, we see stuff, we hear stuff on social media, on the TV, on the news, and all the kinds of stuff that just is infuriating at times. And it can be very distracting. Whatever the case may be, don't lose sight of Jesus. Right? Remember that those people are broken people trying to fix their problems with broken solutions. And they don't know what they need. We know who they need. So focus on Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. Spend time with Him, depend on Him. Talk to him and talk about him. Focus on Jesus. Y'all got that? Amen? That's the first to do. Here's the second one. Here's where the special assignment comes in. Concentrate on that one person, that one that you've thought about, that you know who needs to know Jesus. Concentrate on that one person that you know that needs Jesus. And today, what I want you to do is during our invitation time, when we get ready to sing this next song, I want you to come and to write down the first name of your one, the first name of that person, that first name of that individual that you know that needs Jesus, just write their name on one of these three chairs here. There's Sharpie pins here. I know you've been taught all your life you're not supposed to write on furniture. Today's a different day, all right? It's okay to do that today, all right? Write the write first name of that person that you know that needs Jesus on the chair. I've already taken some pastoral liberties. I've written, I've written two here and two over here of four guys that I have been praying for for a long time, that they will come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And I believe by God's grace one day they'll, they'll know Jesus, right? And so today I want you to write down a first name of your one on this chair. And this chair represents That chair is waiting for them to come to Christ. And you're not writing their name so that the pastor can go point them to Jesus, okay? You're writing the name saying that you will concentrate on that one, that you're gonna pray for that one, and that you're gonna pray that the Lord will open their eyes to their real need, and that you're gonna ask the Lord to guide you in pointing them to the greatest name, which is Jesus. And then here's the thing. When they do come to know Jesus Christ, we're going to believe by faith that they will. When they do come to know Jesus Christ, you can bring them to that chair and you can show them their name and say, hey, we have prayed for you for this day. And by God's grace, he heard our prayer. He called you to himself and now you're his child, right? Won't that be a great day? Won't that be a great day when you can do that and mark through that name? And then what we're going to do after these chairs are filled today with those names, we're going to put them out in the foyer. And as you pass by the foyer, by those chairs, would you either, while you're passing by, just say a prayer for all those names or pause and pray, but to pray for those. So we collectively as a church are praying one for another for these people that we know that needs to know Jesus. And I believe with all my heart, we will see a harvest of souls who will come to know Christ as Savior. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to do that in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, today maybe today you're here and you are one. You are that one, and you realize that as you hear the story of the lame man, that's you, and that you need healing, that you need real life, that you've been separated from the Lord, and you've been trying to fix all your brokenness with all the broken solutions. And let me just implore you today: come to Jesus. Because he is calling for you to turn to him from sin and to trust him by faith. Later on in that chapter, chapter 3, Peter says in verse 19 and 20, to repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So if that's you, as we get ready to sing, you come. Take one of the pastors by the hand. We will be glad to pray with you. But maybe the Lord today, friends, is dealing with you, believer, as you remember who you are in Jesus, and you just want to say, Lord, I'm all in, and I desire to follow you, and I want to stay focused on this world's greatest need, and I want to stay focused on the greatest name, and may my life reflect you, Jesus. But whatever the case may be, I'm asking, if you would, to join me and to come and write one of those names, first name, on one of these chairs, if you would, today, as we sing together. All right? Let's pray. Father, I know that you have dealt with each of our hearts today, and each of us knows people who need to know Jesus. But if we're very honest with you today, Lord Jesus, and we must be, we must confess that we've done very little to point them to you. So, Lord, I am praying today that as we come to this invitation time, that you would just challenge our hearts to concentrate on that one. As we're focusing on you, to concentrate on that one, that we're going to pray for that one, that we're going to ask you to make their hearts tender to what their greatest need really is, and that you would help us to guide them to the greatest name, the name of Jesus. And we just believe, Lord, you're going to hear that prayer, you're going to answer that prayer, and we're going to see people saved so, Lord, I pray that as we come to this invitation, that people will do that all throughout this congregation. Just come and put a, a first name on one of these chairs. But I also pray, Lord, for maybe that one who, who says, I'm that lame man, and I need to be healed by Jesus today. I know I'm a sinner. I need him to save me. Lord, I pray for that person to have the courage to step up and speak to one of these pastors today. I also pray for those of us who are believers, who would be honest with you, Lord, and say, Lord, we haven't been doing enough. I've been so distracted by my busy life that I've done very little to proclaim the greatest name that what the world's greatest need is. So Lord, would you challenge us today to be the people of God, to be the church, to be courageous as a church, to stay focused for your glory, your honor, your praise. Now be with us now as we come to this invitation. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You come as we sing.